Today we turn to the book of Jonah, and we're going to read chapters 3 and 4. It's a very familiar story, even to those who may not know that much about the Bible, the story of Jonah and the whale. And, uh, but today we're going to look at what happens after that, uh, Jonah 3 and 4, and which I think is very instructive for us because, remember, the title of this series is The God of the Prophets. So what we're trying to do is look at what, what do the prophets, how do they see God? What is the vision they have of God? And how can we see that? And what difference does that make in our lives? So it's the God of the prophets. And, and this passage is one of my favorite. And I think it's extremely instructive about the God that we serve. So let's listen to God's word, Jonah 3 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. Then he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and it said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is God's word. Let's pray. Great God and Father in heaven, you are the King and Sovereign Lord of all the earth. And we praise you, O Lord, that we can gather before you to worship you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
And we praise you that you have spoken us, to us through your word to teach us who you are, to correct our misconceptions, and to lead us back to yourself. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to see you and others in the light of your word, and that we would humble ourselves before you, and that you would challenge us and also comfort us through what is taught today. And so, Lord, help us to see the God of the prophets. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Last week, we looked at the, the prophecy of Obadiah. And Obadiah provides comfort for people who are struggling with someone who is, has wronged them in the present or in the past. Because what it says is that God is going to deal with injustice. And this is the same message throughout the entire Bible in Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul tells people not to take revenge. He says to the Christians, don't take revenge. Why? Because you should leave room for God's wrath, for it is mine to avenge. In other words, he's saying, don't, don't think that, that the wrong doesn't matter. It's that God cares and he'll deal with it so you don't have to bear that yourself. So that's a consistent message throughout the, throughout the scriptures. But it's not the only perspective of the scripture. And we get a very different one in the book of Assyria. Not contradictory, but seeing another side of God and who he is. So because our conflict with someone or our difficulty or even being a victim of someone is not the only lens through which God views that person. It is God has an interest in other people besides the challenges we face with them. And so we should not identify our perspective completely with the perspective of God. And that's the lesson that Jonah learned. Now Jonah was called by God to go to the, the great city of Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a second. And, but he didn't want to, so he, he, went, he took a ship going in the opposite direction toward uh, modern-day Spain, way on the other side of the Mediterranean. But then a storm came up, and, this, and everyone was afraid. And, so, and Jonah realized that this was God's judgment, and he said, so if you throw me overboard, then the storm will stop. And the, understandably, they didn't want to do that, but then eventually, they, as they got more and more scared, they threw him over. He was swallowed by a great fish or whale. He remained there for three days. Then he cried out to the Lord in a beautiful prayer in Jonah chapter 2 that I encourage you to read. Um, and then God heard him and delivered him. But then he was ready to send him right back to Nineveh. He, God didn't give up. And so that's what we're going to look at, though, is what happened after the whale, after he was delivered. So I want you to see uh, three things, Jonah's preaching, Jonah's complaint, and Jonah's correction. And then that will lead us to consider some important lessons we should take from this. And I'm sure there's others, I'm going to give you four, but I'm sure there's other ones too, and I encourage you to reflect on this story that God has given to us, because there's important lessons here about God and his relationship to the world. So first, Jonah's <coughs> preaching. Now in order to understand... <clears throat> Jonah's preaching. <clears throat> you need to understand that he went to Assyria. And Assyria was the first of a series of empires 
that ruled uh, the Middle East. And so if you're to understand the Bible after the time of King David, to get down what these empires are is quite important. So it starts with Assyria, and then there's Babylon, and then there's Persia, and then there's Greece, and then there's Rome. And all of these have a big part to play in the story of the Bible. Jesus is being born under the Roman Empire, for example. So, but Jonah lived in the days of Assyria, and we're going to meet them at several places in the prophets. And Assyria, Assyria was the first, but it was also one of the worst, because they, they were a nation that lacked security. They were a nation that was in danger all around, and so what they did is they centralized their government, and they made the military the first priority. And they used terror to intimidate everybody around them. And so people were scared of them, and people hated them, but they were powerful and strong, and they couldn't overcome them. So if you think about like the vision of toxic masculinity, Assyria could be the poster boy, and proud of it for toxic masculinity. So this is the people to whom God sent Jonah. And so Jonah, Jonah did respond the second time. He got the message. He goes into this large city, and in the middle of it, he says, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Who knows what he was thinking when he said that? So Jonah preached. That's what he did. 40 more days, and this city is going to be overthrown. And what happened? Well, the Ninevites believed God, and the Ninevites repented. To Jonah's utter shock and amazement, they proclaimed a fast. They, from the greatest to the least, they all put on sackcloth. The king issued a proclamation and said, let's all humble ourselves before God, give up our violent ways, and repent, and we'll see what God will do. And so how did God respond? Well, God relented. God relented from the judgment that he had declared on Assyria. He was, instead of bringing down his judgment and wrath, he brought down mercy instead. When God saw that they, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened, Jonah 3.10. So Jonah, though, does not like this at all. And so that's when I want to see Jonah's complaint. So Jonah then prays to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And so... <clears throat> Jonah's sitting there waiting to see what happens, and he complains to the Lord. He said, this is what I thought would happen. Now, I want you to see a couple things here. The first thing is that we often have a misconception about why Jonah ran away from from what he was supposed to do, why he was fleeing to Tarshish. Many people present this as if Jonah was scared of Assyria. And that would be understandable, because they were scary. And uh, they did terrible things. But, but what Jonah tells us here is that wasn't what was foremost on his mind. He actually wanted God to bring judgment down on Assyria 
So he didn't want to tell them to repent in case they did repent and God would relent from pouring down his judgment upon them. He wanted God to bring the hammer down on Assyria and he didn't want them to have any chance to repent. That was why he ran. He said, that's why what I did, I, to forestall that, to stop that from happening, I'm going the other way. And you go ahead and you just take out Assyria. That's what we'd like to see happen. He wanted judgment. He wanted judgment to be brought down on Assyria. But it's interesting too, the other thing about what he says is that it shows us how he thought about God. Um, he, he thought about God based on what God had revealed about himself in the book of Exodus. Moses had asked God to reveal himself to reveal himself to Moses and God came and he showed his glory but then he also said something in Exodus 34 6 through 7 listen to these words this is what the Lord said the Lord the Lord the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. That statement is absolutely crucial to understanding how we think about God uh, because you'll find that it's used over and over again. If you heard our call to worship, look again at Psalm 103, uh, which, we, which we heard as our call to worship. It's the same language. As you go throughout the prophets, you're going to hear this language again, again, again. The Lord, the gracious and compassionate God. And that had gone deep down into Jonah. And Jonah had seen it that he's like, I know this is the type of God he is. He's gracious. He's compassionate. And, he is go- and if, if Nineveh repents, he is not going to bring the hammer down. And so Jonah is angry. He's complaining. And so what do we do when we are angry? We say stupid things. And that's what Jonah said. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. So this is dumb, but it is also in a way right. Because what does he do? He has this anger. He has these dumb thoughts, but what does he do with them? He goes to God. He goes to God. When we're frustrated, when we're anxious, when we're in fear, when we're mad, we should go to God with exactly what's on our hearts. This is what the psalmist said. said, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And if you read the psalms, you will see that the psalmists pour out their hearts before God. It's kind of like whatever they're thinking. Just like, okay, I'll just say this to God. Sometimes it's like, wow, can you really talk to God like that, you know? But remember, God's been around a while. He can take it. And so, and what that means more positively is we have a refuge in God. We have a place to go when we're struggling like Jonah was, when we feel like we're ready to die, like when we feel like we've had enough, when we feel frustrated, when we feel angry. We can go to the Lord like Jonah did, and that's exactly what he did. And how will God respond? Well, God is going to teach him a lesson about himself that is very important for us to learn. So that's the third thing, Jonah's correction. So what Jonah does is he goes out he goes out to watch what will happen to the city and it's and it's hot 
and the sun is shining. And uh, he tries to build a little shelter for him. And then there's a little plant that comes up and it provides a shade for him. He's really happy about this shade. And then the next day comes and God sends a worm to eat up that plant, uh, to chew the roots so that it dies. And so no longer does he have the shade. And then there's a hot wind that comes and he's there in the sun and it's terribly hot. And what does he want to do? He says, I want to die, right? We see there's a pattern here. So everything's extreme. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And so, but God was teaching him a lesson. So God came to Jonah and said to him, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah, of course, says, absolutely it is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. And just listen to how God responds. It is the kind of response we would expect from the gracious and compassionate God. So he says, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Notice something about this. So God's not ignorant of the wrongs that Assyria had done. Remember, he's warning them to turn and repent. So he's dealing with them. But he also has compassion for this city. He has concern, as our version has it, for this city. And notice it doesn't just say that he has compassion for the souls. He has compassion for the city itself. That God has an interest not just in souls, but also in cities. He's like looking at it. He says, this is a great city. Look at it. Look at what they've done. Should I not have concern for this city? He's interested in that. He's interested in the works we do to build up culture and to establish nations and establish cities. God's in that. That's part of his work that he established for the world. And he cares about that. And he does care about the people too. But I also love that, how that, this book ends. And I've thought about it many times. He's also concerned about the animals in the city. Um, Other versions put it, and much cattle beside. I would often use that in South Dakota because it's like cattle country, you know. God's concerned about the cattle to teach them about the Lord. So that that is the God that we have. It is an amazing revelation of God. All of a sudden we see is, you know, the Lord revealing himself here as the God of creation as the God of the whole earth, who is concerned about all the things that he has created and the things that we create as creative people made in the image of God and that he wants to see them thrive and flourish. He does not want to see them destroyed. He does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they would turn and live. And so it's really amazing when you think about what we looked at last week with the story of Obadiah. And uh, if, you, if, if you weren't here this week, you can, you can look at www.evergreentn.com or just read the book. You'll see it's like, it's, it's really kind of the perspective of those opposing Israel are, are the enemy. And, and God's going to deal with them. 
And that's a right and true perspective. God is going to do justice with everybody. He's going to right all wrongs. He's going to restore all that was lost. But that's not the only way we should look at God. We should also see him as a person who's concerned about Edom and Assyria and Egypt and that he wants to see them turn and live. And of course, that's the tension that we see in the prophets is that there's this God of wrath. There's this God of justice who's angry and coming down with the the clouds and with mighty hosts and he's going to bring destruction on the whole earth. But then there's this gracious, merciful, and compassionate God. And you see, that's that's the revelation of the scripture. And of course, the ultimate place where that meets is the cross of Christ, where the wrath of God is poured out fully. And then that all those who trust in that as their substitute for, their, for the punishment of their sins, have it all laid on Christ. They're forgiven. So, but God then forgives them, shows mercy, and so he can be just and the justifier, the one who declares righteous those who have faith in Jesus. The mercy and truth of God kiss one another on the cross. And so that's the God of the prophets. But now I want to bring out several aspects of uh, that, uh, from this book, just what I've said just kind of as a way of pressing it home to you. And hopefully uh, also you'll think about it and see other lessons that God may want to teach you. So the first thing, first lesson, is this book should encourage us. Because when we see Assyria, we see a, a group of people that was really terrible. I mean, they were really awful people. Uh, I mean, they did some good things. I mean, they collected like the first library and so, like, there's, there's good things about their city, to, sh- to be sure. But, I mean, in terms of how they related to other nations, it was simply appalling. And, I mean, almost hard to recount because it's so bad. And yet God was gracious and merciful to them. And so that should encourage you and should encourage me. Then we, we see our sins, the wrongs we've done to other people, the injustices that we've committed. That God is the gracious and merciful and compassionate God who's ready to forgive us as well. So that should encourage us. But it should also challenge us because it's so easy for us when we see the wrongs that people are doing, when we see, especially if they're directed towards us or those we love or our groups, to only see that person in terms of that conflict or only in terms of the issue we're fighting about. But what we need to do is expand our vision, not ignoring that, but seeing beyond it as well. To be able to be in the battle and above it, as one theologian said. That we can see that God is their creator too. That God is the one who has made them. That he has concern for them. That while, they, yes, they've done sins, they've done wrong, yet sin itself is complicated. And it involves anxiety and pride. It involves anxiety over difficulties like for Assyria, they, had, they, they were constantly threatened by their enemies. And so they came up with a solution to deal with it. And that's the sort of thing we're all concerned about, is the security of our nations. Will we be attacked? It's the sort of things that drive us to sin, to pride, to exalt ourselves to others, and to do injustice. And that's what, that's what happened to them. The pride in sin calls for condemnation, but the anxiety in sin calls for compassion. In addition, we also have the revelation, full revelation as in Christ, 
We've had the gospel go out to the world. We've, we here have heard the message proclaimed that anyone who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, so we can see that even the people who are in conflict either are redeemed in Christ or are potentially redeemed in Christ. And so the point is that there's a lot of room to think differently. And so I'm still going to give you two more lessons. But if I'm going to say one thing that you should do in response to this message is ask yourself, who do I tend to view only in terms of conflict or difficult issues or war or battle or political issues? And ask yourself, can I add another perspective to that to see them in another way besides just the conflict? Can I see the book of Obadiah and the book of Jonah? So think about that. Third, We should seek to imitate our father. A big part of this book is God is wanting Jonah to be like him. To be compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. And I want to just encourage you to think about that. Is that how people know you? Do they know you? Do they think of you? This is a gracious person. This is a compassionate person. This is a person who's slow to anger. This is a person who is abounding in loving kindness. Who doesn't ignore justice because God's also the God who maintains boundaries. He's also the God of justice. But So a person who can maintain boundaries but also do it with compassion and graciousness and a willingness to give. That's one of the reasons we know our God and Father is to be that we can be like him. So we should seek to imitate our Father. And fourth and finally, we should not write people off. So who do we write off? Who do we think is not going to be interested in God and turn to him? This passage teaches us that we should not write off anyone. You know, we don't know how God is working. But we do know he is working with all people. We don't know how God will use us and what we say to make a difference. We do not know who may be ready to repent. You know, Jonah looked at the Assyrians and he could have said, These people are just not ready to repent, and they're not going to repent. But they were ready to repent. They were ready to receive that message. So who else is ready that we tend to write off? So let's not be fearful about speaking to people about God, the God who created them and can redeem them through Christ. So we should remember that. In the midst of all this July 4th busyness, and traffic, that the God of Jonah is the God who is concerned about every person you will meet, about every person that will cut you off and drive by you today, and also all the animals as well. Amen.